true. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I'll be taught God's word. It's his truth transforming every part of my life. And I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name. Amen. That is so true, guys. It's so true. You know, Wednesday is going to be fun. I love the candlelight service. And I want to encourage you, even now, I'm sure you've been doing it over the last few weeks, think of some people, neighbors, friends, maybe somebody you go to school with, invite them to this service. It's going to be fun because the kids are going to be singing, and that's always exciting. Uh, but we're going to be talking about the true meaning of Christmas. And I want to encourage you, bring somebody that needs to hear that, somebody that needs some encouragement. It's going to be a fun night. And uh, looking forward to that. We're in the, the third week of the series, When Hope Was Born. I'm going to finish up on Christmas Eve. But we've been talking about when hope was born. If you look at the nativity, there's a sign up there that, that uh, the ladies, soon the ladies put up there, it says hope. And that's really what happened at Christmas. Remember, theologically speaking, historically speaking, it had been 400 years since the Israelites, the Hebrew people, had heard God speak to them through a prophet. 400 years. So there was lots of historical transition. There were the Babylonians and the Persians that invaded. Then the Greeks invaded Alexander the Great and his bunch. Then after that, the Romans came in. So then this 400 years, there was all this transition that had gone on. 400 years, that's twice the age of our country. And God did not speak to them overtly in that 400 years. They didn't hear anything. And so their world literally was in darkness. It was a time of despair and that word hopelessness. Have you ever been in a time in your life where it just kind of felt hopeless? I have. Everything just seemed dark. You know, depression, this time of year, many people struggle more than normal with depression. Things kind of close in on them. And, and I want you to imagine the whole country, the whole world at this time in history was depressed and hopeless. And then in the middle of all that, a light comes. Some angels show up to some shepherds on a hillside. Jesus is born in a manger. The light of the world, John tells us, is born. And everything begins to change. And today we are the recipients of the fact that Jesus has come. You know, I love when I'm preparing these messages and I get so excited a lot of times because I can't when oh, they're going to like this part. They're going to love this part. And as I sat down this week, I was really overwhelmed by this. And I want to tell you, it's almost like when I sit down and work on these messages, sometimes they just comes alive to me. The scripture just comes alive to me. And that's really, this message today is about that. This uh, message, When Hope Was Born, I actually titled it, Kneel Down, Kneel down or bow down before him. Matthew chapter 2 verses 10 through 11, it's in your notes or up on the screen. When the wise men saw the star, you know the star that was over uh, where Jesus was, they were overjoyed and on coming to the house they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down or knelt down and they worshiped him. Now let me set up the scene. You know, we've all seen the Christmas stories and the nativity scenes and all that, and the wise men show up. Actually, what uh, historians and theologians tell us is the wise men didn't come to the manger where Jesus was. They actually tell us that it was a couple of years later. Jesus was probably around two years old when they showed up and found him. He was in a different location. It's not as good TV, but it's, a, it's the truth. And so they showed up and saw him. But notice what it says here. When they finally found where Jesus was, their immediate response was that they knelt down, they bowed down, 
and they worshiped him. And I thought that uh, it's an interesting thing when you look at scripture, it talks about kneeling or bowing down and worshiping God a lot. Psalm 95 verse 6 through 7 says this, Come, let us bow down or kneel down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock underneath his care. But as I thought about kneeling and bowing, which is what they were doing, I was thinking about our culture, and I was thinking, how often do you actually see people kneel or bow down for anything? So, so let me ask you a question. When, when somebody kneels or bows down, typically what's it for? Come on. Anybody? Do what? Prayer. Very good. What else? Marriage. Proposal. Right? That's, uh, you see people kneel down and say, Will you marry me? And hopefully they say yes, and then the guy gets up and all's good, right? So we've seen that. When else do you see people kneel down? What? Protest. Protest. Okay, I did not think of that. That's interesting. How about team pictures, right? (laughs) Right, you see people kneel down. But the truth is, in our culture, you don't see people kneel down a whole lot. I mean, I literally was thinking through the list, and I couldn't think but of a handful of things, and the marriage one was the biggest one to me. Most of the time, you don't see people do that. And I started thinking, why is that true? You know, why is bowing down or kneeling down something that we don't do? Well, I think there are a couple reasons for that. One is that I think we are a proud people. As a people, we are proud, and the thought of kneeling down to anybody is difficult for us. Because what that means is when we kneel or we bow down, we are showing submission to someone else. And that is something as Americans that we're taught, no, no, no. As Southerners, how many of you still think the Civil War is going on? I mean, come on. I mean, we, the whole idea of surrender, kneeling down, is just something culturally that we're, we're not comfortable with. And I also feel like that one of the reasons we don't kneel or bow down when it comes to God is that we don't understand his holiness, we don't really understand who he is. It's hard for us to connect the dots when it comes to bowing down and worshiping God. And so I want to talk today just for a few minutes about reasons or things that should cause us to kneel or bow down in God's presence. So let's look at number one on your notes or the first blank there. The first reason that we would kneel in God's presence is that we kneel in pursuit. Everybody say pursuit. Mark 10 verse 17 says this, as Jesus started on his way, Jesus was out ministering to people, a man ran up to Jesus, and notice this, and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, What must I do to inherit eternal life? You know, I've read that scripture probably a hundred times. I don't know that I ever noticed the physical position that guy was taking when he came to Jesus. He pursued Jesus. He found out where Jesus was, ran to him, and he didn't just say, hey, Jesus, what's up? He actually knelt down before Jesus in submission. It's very interesting, isn't it? And I want you to understand something. The guy that did that, his name, they call him in Scripture, the rich young ruler, he was a very wealthy guy. Very, very wealthy man, the Scripture tells us. And can I say this to you guys? This guy was rich. As a matter of fact, he had what everybody wanted, but he didn't have what we all need. I want to say that again. He had what we all want, but he didn't have what he really needed on the inside. I want to go off message here a little bit. 
I know for many of us, we spend our life chasing things. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's relationships. Maybe it's power and prestige. Whatever it is that you've been pursuing in your life, you chase those things. And you think, you say things like, well, once I graduate high school, then my life will be achieved. Or once I get married, or once I go to college, or once I get a job. And what happens is we set these goals, and there's nothing wrong with doing that. We need to set goals. I'm, I'm big about that. The scripture tells us we need to plan and do things. But here's the deal. A lot of times the things we pursue don't fulfill us. You know, around here, anybody ever had a dog chase your car? <laughs> On our road, there's like two or three different places. Ronnie, you know what I'm talking about. There's two or three different places, and these dogs, invariably, they, they sit by the side of the road like it's the coolest thing ever. Like, come on, here comes one of those things. And then they chase the car. One of these days, I'm just going to stop. Because I bet they'll go, what do we do now? <laughs> I caught the thing. What do I do with it? You know what I'm saying? And, and, and that's what I think a lot of us do in life. We pursue these things and pursue them, and then we get them, and now we don't have to do with them. Or worse, we pursue these things, and they don't fulfill us. And we can spend years chasing stuff, guys, years chasing stuff. And then we achieve it, and we realize there's really nothing there. And so what do we do? We set the next goal. And the next one, and, and I want you to know I've done this a lot of my life, is that we'll run and run and run and run, and, and when that doesn't fulfill us, we think, oh, it must be the next thing. Can I just tell you the world is full of people that have gazillions of dollars and are miserable? Because it's not about money, and it's not about possessions, and it's not about 400 different relationships. There's only one place that we try and f- find true fulfillment, guys. You know, just as a side note, these wise men were very wealthy men, and they came and they kneeled down in front of Jesus, and they gave him their wealth. Why? Because they realized this is the fulfillment of what we need. We have come to find him who is the king of Jews. We've come to find the Messiah. We've come to find what we've been really searching for. And so we kneel when we catch him. When we come to him, we kneel in pursuit. And I think that's such an important thing. Can I challenge you in something that I know I found in my own life? Some of you may be wondering, and some of you are probably here today, I hope so, that some of you are here today saying, you know what, I don't know if God's out there. I don't know if I believe in this God thing. I'm not sure. You know what, that's okay. It really is okay. Because I, I want to challenge you in this. This is my challenge to you today. I want you to spend some time maybe this week or over the next couple of weeks. And if you're one of those people that's saying, God, are you even there? I want you to kneel down and say, God, if you're there, show me that you're there. God, if you're really out there, show me. And you'd say, Pastor, why would you do that? We've got to trust God. Can I just tell you something? God is not scared of our questions. Why are we so intimidated to say, oh, that's blas- That's not blasphemy. Lord, if you're there, show me that you're there. You say, well, how can you prove that? I'm going to show you in Scripture right here. James chapter 4, verse 8 says this, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. 
Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. If, if you begin to, to pursue God, guess what? He's going to draw near to you as well. And I've got another scripture that I think is even stronger than that one. Jeremiah 29 verse 13 says, You will seek me and you will find me when? When you search for me with what? All your heart. So if you go in, I mean... <laughs> How many of y'all have gone in? I do this all the time, Trish. I'm sorry, but I, I got to point this out. Trish will say, hey, will you go into such and such room and find whatever it is, a pair of glasses? And I'll walk in and I'll go, nope, don't see it. <laughs> Was I really looking? Come on, let's get real. Come on, ladies. Is there anybody know what I'm talking about? You send your husband or your kids, say, hey, y'all go in there. It's sitting on the whatever. You'll see it. It's right out in the wide open. Walk in there. Nope, didn't see it. Did you look? Yeah. Is that really looking? No. That's glancing. We do the same thing with God. You ever sought God? You ever looked for God? Uh, Well, you know, there was that time I went into church. Nope, don't see him. Turned around and walked out. We kind of give God our second best. We're not really looking. And the truth is, the truth is, there were lots of people that Jesus walked by and they never even recognized who he was because they weren't looking for him. And I don't want us to be those kind of people. So my challenge to you is if you're wondering if God's real, if you're wondering if God's out there, Choose to draw close to him. That, that's my story of salvation. As I began to seek God, I was a kid that grew up in the church, y'all. I grew up in the church, but at the age of 16, I realized that, that I didn't have a relationship with God. I knew about him. I'd been to Sunday school, but I didn't know him. And so I just began to seek him. I didn't even tell anybody. And I said this, God, if you're there, just tell me. And I kept looking. And one day he found me. So when I talk to you, I know what I'm talking about. So if that's you today, good news. If he can find me, he can find you. Amen? Here's another thing we do when we want to kneel before him. So the first one's kneel in pursuit. The second thing we do is we kneel in repentance. We kneel in repentance. Uh, neat story when, when Jesus was first starting his ministry, he was preaching to all these people. He was near the lake and, and, uh, all these people started crowding up on him and Peter, Simon, Peter, and all his brothers were out there were fishermen. They're professional fishermen. So Jesus said, Hey, I need to get on your boat. So Jesus crawled up on his boat and Jesus said, Hey, push away a little bit, push back. So they did. They got a little bit away from the shore and Jesus began to speak to them from the boat. Now, Peter and his buddies had been out fishing all night long. Anybody ever been fishing all night long? All right. They'd been fishing all night and hadn't caught anything. The story of my fishing experience. I get this, okay? And they're out there fishing. They hadn't caught anything all night long. Jesus is standing up there telling them, you know, all this stuff. Now, now Peter knew Jesus is a carpenter, right? So Jesus gets done preaching. You got, read the story. It's in Luke chapter 5. And Jesus says, Peter, push a little bit away from the shore some more. He's like, why? Jesus said, just do it. He goes, all right. So they push a little bit away from the shore. Then Jesus says, drop your nets down to the other side of the boat. Now, if I'm Peter, and I'm a professional fisherman, and I've been listening to you up there preaching, and I know you're a carpenter, my first thought might be, look, fella, why don't you go build some tables? And don't tell me how to fish. 
But Jesus says, drop your nets down on the other side. Now look, I don't know a whole lot about fishing, but I know they don't just hang out in one spot. He's like, we've been fishing all night long. So Peter says, but Peter says something very interesting. He says, okay, because you've said, I'll do it. The Bible tells us they drop their nets over the side of the boat. I need Jesus to go fishing with me. I just had this revelation. (laughs) So they drop the net on the other side of the boat. The Bible tells us the net fills up with fish, so much fish that their boat starts sinking. They call all their buddies and say, y'all get over here. Because, boy, something big has happened. But notice what happens when this miracle occurs. Luke chapter 5, verse 8. Watch this. When Simon Peter realized what happened. In other words, you can say it this way. When Simon Peter realized who was in his boat, he fell to his knees before Jesus. Notice, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh, Lord, please leave me. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. Lord, get out of my boat. Do you know who I am? Do you know who I am? I mean, can you imagine one moment you think there's a carpenter telling you how to fish, and the next moment you have the revelation that a miracle's just occurred in your boat, and you were sassing Jesus. But it wasn't, that's why Peter knew, that wasn't why he wanted him to get out of his boat. Who he was was looking at God, and God was looking at him. Can I give you some good news today? When I read my Bible, there's never one place, never one place, when somebody that was a sinner cried out to Jesus that he turned them away. Isn't that true? Not one time. Jesus said, I came to seek and save the lost people. And I want you to know there have been times in my own life where I've had those encounters with Jesus. And I realize that he's looking on the inside of me. And let me tell you something, folks. God never comes, never comes to condemn you. He only comes to say, look, I just need you to know who you are, but I'm here to save you. Peter, it's okay. And you know what Jesus says to Peter at the end of all this? Peter comes to faith in Christ in that moment. He said, you don't have to worry about fishing anymore. Now you're going to catch people. That's when he called him. But it started when he kneeled in repentance. And I want you to know today, if that's you, I really hope that in these moments that we're here together, that the power and the love of God so comes in your life that that maybe that light shines on you and shows you maybe some areas in your life where maybe there's some darkness. But God never shows you the darkness to condemn you. He just shows you the darkness to let you know you need a Savior. And Jesus shows you that, and then he says, but here I am. He never wags his finger at you. God isn't into this. He shines the light to say, look, there's some darkness in here. We need to do something about it. And that's why I'm here. I'm here to save you from yourself. Amen. Man, that's the Christmas story, guys. That is absolutely the Christmas story. 1 John 1 verse 9 says this. If we confess our sins, 
What is he? He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from what? All unrighteousness. What does the word all mean? Trish just talked about it a minute ago too. All means all of it. Aren't you glad that God cleans up all of your unrighteousness? I know some of y'all. Y'all need that. (laughs) Right? Me too. All unrighteousness. Not some of it. God doesn't go, yeah, I'll forgive that. Oh, no. Not that one. No, no, no. All of it. I feel led to do this, so I'm going to do it. I believe the reason Jesus was born in a stable was because there was a whole lot of animals in there and the stinky stuff of the world. And that was about as low as you could be born. There is nobody. We dedicated those babies in the, this morning. If you ask any of these moms, if you said to them, hey, I know we can go to a really clean hospital with all the surgical gloves and all the stuff, but would you like to be born in a stable with a bunch of animal poop? Is there anybody that go, that's the best idea I've ever heard? Not if they're not, unless they're crazy. But God did that. Why would he do that? Why would God do that? Let me tell you why he would do it. Because he t- he's here to tell us, I will get down in the stinkiest, dirtiest, nastiest place that you are, and I will pull you out of it. He's not scared to get his hands dirty. He's not. And the reason that he can deal with the best of us and the worst of us is that we've all got junk, and it all stinks. And Jesus gets it. And he's not scared to get his hands dirty. He's not. And I love that about him. You can't surprise him. He did it for you and he did it for me. Here's the final blank. Kneel in submission. Surrender. Kneel in submission. Luke chapter 22, verses 41 through 42 says this. It says, Jesus withdrew. This is right. This is the night he's betrayed. This is the night that he's being captured. Jesus withdrew about a stone's throw away from his disciples. And what did he do? He knelt. He bowed down. And he prayed. And he said, Father, if you're willing to take this cup from me, But then notice what he says, but not my will, but yours be done. Even Jesus submitted. Even Jesus submitted. And I love the fact, this is one more of the reasons that you need to see that when Jesus came down here, he was fully God, but he was fully us. And he realized what was about to happen to him, the terrible things that were about to happen to him. And he said, look, God, Father, if there's any other way that this can work out, please. But you know what? Not my will, but your will be done. And you know, I was thinking about this last week. Shane, you and I were talking about some stuff, and I started thinking about this. Do you know there's only been one time since the creation of everything, which has been forever because God's always been alive, that Jesus hasn't been in God's presence? And it's when he hung on the cross. 
Jesus said some words that if you don't watch, you'll miss them. He cried out to his father on the cross and said, Father, where are you? He had never felt that before. But when he took your sin and when he took my sin, the love of God for you was so great that he turned his face away from his son so that he could bear your sin. And Shane and I were talking this week, those of you that were here Wednesday night, we were talking about the blessings of God, Deuteronomy 28, all the blessings that God has for us, that he pours on us, on his children that accept him, all those blessings that God gives us. The reason you get them is because Jesus took your place. He paid for it. It's not just that you're blessed because God loves you. You're blessed because Jesus took your place and God loves you. And so when when he calls us to kneel in submission, it's what we need to do. And I want you to think about this week. I really want you to think about that the wise men and the shepherds and all the different things that go on. And they come and they kneel before him. And I really want you to think about your attitude and your relationship with Jesus. Do you kneel before him? Is God just a good idea? Or is he really God to you? Are you submitted to him? You know, we talk around here a lot about being his hands and feet. And I want to tell you, probably as much as any group of people I've ever seen, we really try to do that. But we do that out of our submission to him. God, we serve others because you serve us. Because we are submitted to you. Here's the final thing I want to say, and then I'm going to close. You can kneel now, or you can kneel later. You can kneel now, you can submit now, or you can submit later. Listen to this. I'm going to read out of Philippians 2, verses 8 through 11. And being found in appearance as a man, Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. We just read up there where Jesus submitted himself. Even death on a cross. Therefore, because of that, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should what? Bow. In heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge or confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Can I just tell you a truth today? You don't have to believe. But just because you don't believe doesn't mean it's not true. You know, I've told you a bunch because it just makes sense to me. You don't have to believe in gravity. But if you climb up on the roof and go, I don't believe in gravity, and you step off, what's going to happen? You will believe in gravity. (laughs) But the truth is, this is going to happen. And I want to tell you something. It's a lot better to kneel now than it will be to have to kneel later. To be able to submit to God instead of waiting till it's too late. I don't want us to be those people. So here's the takeaway today. For those of you at this Christmas time, what a great time of year to be able to just draw close to God. I want to encourage you in something. 
get out by yourself some. And just be honest with God. Maybe some of you are mad at God. Maybe some of you don't know if he's there. And that's okay. Listen, God is not scared of that. I just want to say that to you. Just go out and say, God, I'm not even sure I believe in you. But if you're here, if you're around, just show me something. And and I promise you, he'll show up. It may not be right in that moment. It might be. But he will. He will. Or maybe some of you are thinking, I'm not going to worry about it a whole lot. That's not a good idea. It's not a good idea. You know, I talked to Shane this week, and we were talking about Deuteronomy 28, and we were talking about the blessings of God. Why would you not want to be blessed? Why, why would you not want to be blessed? I don't even understand that. I mean, it's almost like saying, you know what, I thought about it, and I know God wants to bless me, but you know what, I'd rather just do my own thing. My first question to you would be, how's that working out for you? Right? But the second thing, the bigger thing is, why not come to him? The Bible says in Isaiah, taste and see that God is good. He is good. You know, right now, I'm so appreciative that I show up in my office and there's all these things that I can taste and see that they're good. Right? Went over last night, we had a party, and I'm looking around at this table full of stuff, and I'm like, what's that? I don't even care, right? It's got chocolate on it. It could have been rocks. I didn't care, right? Right? I look at, the, I look at these Oreo things. What are the Oreo balls? They're Oreos crushed up with white chocolate around them. Hallelujah. You know what I'm talking about? But you know what? If you walk in and you see all that, but you don't ever taste it, you're never going to know. And you know why I never want to go back to my old life? It's because I know what real life is. And I know what it's like to walk in God's blessing. And I'm not tempted to go over there. It's not a struggle. Because I know what it's like to walk in his blessing. And so I would say to you, taste and see that God is good. Christmas is about Jesus coming, getting involved in your mess, taking your place so that you can be adopted into God's family. Do it. In a minute, I'm going to give you an opportunity. What an amazing opportunity to join God's family. You know, how cool was it this morning? This isn't even everybody. There were people that weren't even here today that we're going to have joined in a couple weeks. God is growing his family. But you know what the Bible says? That heaven rejoices when one person repents. Heaven has a party. Hey, right? When one person repents and comes back home, heaven has a party. Why not today? So if you're here today and you've never received Jesus as your Savior, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that in a minute. And not only is heaven going to have a party, we're going to clap and everything too. And if you play your cards right, I might even get you an Oreo ball or something. Because that's awesome. 
But seriously, don't waste your life on things that don't satisfy you. This room is filled with people that know what that was like, and now they've tasted and seen God's good, and it's awesome. And that's what, that's what this, the good news is. The gospel, the good news is you don't have to be that way anymore. Jesus took your place. Amen? So let's just get to it. Let's pray. If you're here today, and maybe you, you've never received Jesus. You've never received him. But maybe you get it. Maybe for the first time the lights come on. The Holy Spirit's talking to you. That's who that is. And he's drawing you. And you may say, well, pastor, I'm not good enough. Well, we've covered that. That doesn't matter. Jesus is. He took your place. Right? And so now's your opportunity to receive the gift of Christmas. To receive what it's all about. If that's you and you say, pastor, today I want to receive Jesus as my Savior. If that's you, just slip your hand up and say, pastor, that's me. That's me. That's who I am. All right, well, maybe you're here today and you're a Christian. Nobody looking around. Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, I'm a Christian, but I've walked away. I've walked away, but I want to come back home. I don't want to be this way anymore. Let me tell you, he's not here to condemn you. You're here on purpose, and he wants to draw you back to himself. And if that's you today and you say, Pastor, that's me. I want to rededicate my life. I, I want Jesus to sit on the throne of my life. If that's you, slip your hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. Amen. I see your hand. Pastor, that's me. I see your hand. Anybody else? I see your hand. That's awesome. I'll tell you what, that's what this is all about, guys. I want, to, I want you to do one more thing. Some of you probably didn't raise your hand, but you knew you needed to. This is why we're here, Okay? If you slip your hand up for any reason or you didn't, but you know you wanted to, then just come down to the front, and I'm just going to pray with you for a minute. Just, just step out. Don't, don't be nervous. Nobody's going to condemn you. It's not about that. Nobody's going to condemn you. This is why we're here. This is the Christmas story. Amen. Amen. I want some of our leadership to come up, stand behind folks, and we're going to lay hands on them and pray for them. That's awesome. Amen. Anybody else? Amen. 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 This is the Christmas story, guys. This is why he came. Amen. Amen. Let's just take a moment where you are. Just pray for those that are up here. Just where you are. What an amazing thing. Thank you, God.
Let's do this. All these that are down here at the altar, I want you guys to look up at me real quick. Logan, look up at me, bub. Look up at me. Mark, look up at me. You guys look up here and let's all pray this together. Right? Let's all pray this together as a, as a point of rededication. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Today, I ask you to forgive me. I ask you again to be Lord of my life. Thank you for loving me. I receive you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Guys, I want to tell you that's the most important thing that we can do. And as much as I love dedicating babies, and I do, and as much as I love people joining the church, and I do so much, what really, at the end of the day, matters is us getting our hearts right with God. That's why we exist as a church. But I want to tell you there's another step that we take, and that's where we grow. And Trish was so right about this morning. We want to see people grow. We want Our passion in our heart is to see every one of you guys become all that God has called you to be. All that God has called you to be. Amen? Amen. How many of you are thankful for Christmas? Amen. Me too. Let's all stand up this morning. I'm glad you came to church today. And here's what I want you to do for, for real for Wednesday night. I want you all to think about somebody that you can bring or maybe somebody's. And, and get them up here because they need to hear this message. You know some people that need real hope, don't you? So let's get them up here. Why? So that they can hear the story. Grab your neighbor's hand for me this morning and pray a blessing over you. Father, thank you so much for loving us. Thank you so much for Christmas. Lord, thank you that you loved us so much that you sent your only son to come down and take our place. Father, today we receive this gift. We're so thankful for, Lord, the babies that we've dedicated to you, Father. For those that have come and joined this church body, Lord, we, we thank you for them. And Father, we thank you for those that have come today that have, have rededicated their lives again. And so, Father, we just pray a blessing over all that are here today, Lord. Help us as we leave this place to carry the hope of Christmas in our lives, in our hearts. Lord, let our light shine before men so that they will see our good works, Lord, and they will, they will look to you. That they will know that there's a God who loves them and who's still active. Father, we ask you for that today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. Well, God bless